leather, lace, liberty. Talk right here. Welcome. That squirrel can water ski. Naked podcast heard. Sorry, Dad. (laughs) Okay, welcome back to Liquid Gold. Mike, what do you got for me? All right, where the spirits are rare and the drinking options manifold, welcome to a very special edition of Liquid Gold. Here with my partner, Mr. Kenneth Dedman, on my right-hand side. How you doing today, buddy? Doing good, Mike. It's great to be here. Yeah, <laughs> you look uh, equally coffeeed up. My name's Mike Wolf. Here today with you on Liquid Gold, we want to give a shout out to our producer, Mr. Michael Eads. And we own this town. We own this town.net. Lots of amazing podcasts and content that they're doing on that site. Today, we have a very special topic, a very special guest. We kidnapped her while she was on the way to the airport. We saw her because we, we were coming here to do... Uh, an episode about wine and we saw her as we were backed up in traffic and then we just kidnapped her through yep. the car that's yeah, how that, it went down that <laughs> 2440 split theater of the mind but we want to welcome jessica Backus. how are you welcome jess i'm great it's great. an honor to be here <laughs> it's amazing to have you we've worked with you in different spots over the years we've worked for you We've had drinks poured by you, made by you, elixirs made by you. Um, Jess is located now in Charleston and used to be in Nashville here, worked with us at Husk, uh, worked at Rumors East over the years. Jess and I go back to the old Holland house. Where else have we worked together? Burger King. I think that little hot dog shop right oh. across from the uh, Carter Creek farm. There you go. <laughs> yeah, we worked there. I remember we, one time y'all talked about getting the Riverside Grill Shack and turning it into a tiki bar oh man a while back yeah, yeah. Like, and that while, lot while right back. next to Lysians. we were third in line <laughs> jess is uh one of the more unique guests that we could possibly have on this show because not only is jess a sommelier and super knowledgeable about wine but also uh is passionate about beer and knows a lot about beer could steer you a million different ways on beer but also is a master bartender and um, so you you are probably yeah, the most good, multifaceted guest good. that we've had on the show. And we should probably do a little parapalooza at some point. We're going to throw pairings at you and you're just going to have to pair something with it. So yeah. that'll be fun. It Jess- could be food. It could be a movie. It could be a feeling. You're going to have to pair it. Yeah. Regret. <laughs> We're going to pair board you. What would you pair with regret? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, coffee and fernet. There you go. That rhyme too. <laughs> That's great. See, we knew she'd nail it. So Jess is <laughs> Jess is working on a new project. I feel like we should talk about that because you're coming from the Husk in Savannah. Yeah. You were managing there. You were um, pairing wine there. You were doing some psalm stuff there. And uh, helping out in the bar a little bit, doing a multifaceted beverage-focused role. But you've got a new project that you're working on, so tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, I started following Kevin King after Mike stopped moving around. And uh, (laughs) Kevin is moving up to be the general manager at a new small place in Charleston, which is kind of the cool part about Husk Savannah that's unique amongst all the Husks is the raw bar. We have an amazing... Uh, access to great oysters, great seafood, mm. raw, everything fresh. Um, and so they're kind of taking that idea and putting it in a really small venue in mm-hmm. Charleston, um, right up the street from the aquarium, which is cool. Killer. 
Yeah. So uh, we're swapping roles and I'm going back behind the bar. That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah. And yeah. And this being the vermouth episode, we're going to get into a lot of vermouth. We have some very special Spanish vermouth that has never been in Nashville before. Only rarely been in the States, as far as I know. And we'll post some of these beautiful labels on our Instagram page. Thanks to Aaron for bringing these. Appreciate you. She didn't want a mic, so uh, you can't hear her. But Darren, can we get her a mic? Come on. Is it Darren or Daryl? I don't remember. It's Darren, our unpaid intern. (laughs) He's slacking today. So we're going to taste some vermouth. And we all have bonded over vermouth. And at Husk, we were able to carry, you know what, five different vermouths at any time from all these different regions. Um, so there's there's just like wine, there's all these different styles and regions for vermouths and different bases that, that are used. From what I understand, this new place that you guys are, are opening, Delaney Oyster House. Yeah. You are going to do some kind of lighter beverages there. Are you going to have some vermouths there? What do you think you'll be doing with vermouth there and, and in the beverage program in general? So if I have anything to say about it as much as possible, yeah, I love vermouth, you know that. Um, yeah. And it goes so well with seafood and oysters and things that come from places we all want to be instead of going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin, if he has anything to say about it, it's going to be just a vodka bar, which sounds uh-huh. un-Kevin King. But wow, he's changed. He is, he is, you know, his mind <laughs> is always working like three steps ahead of ours and he'll never admit it. And so yeah. he has some really cool thing, things planned um, with lighter spirits and things that are really delicate and go mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. with really fresh seafood that you want to eat raw that's right off the boat. Cool. So, yeah. But, um, you know, always the, the vermouth from dry to sweet to light to dark to everything mm-hmm. um, is going to go with, you know, and the, the executive chef there is um, from Puerto Rico. And so a lot of cool Spanish flavors and Latin cool. flavors mm-hmm. and things with a little bit of spice, which is my favorite thing to have with vermouth. So Awesome. Yeah. What size is this place we're talking? Like, oh, it's got seats? like 10 seats. You should get your reservation now. 10 seats? I'm just kidding. I don't know. It's like 60 seats. It's small. Sounds it's real great. Small. Yeah, old one of those old house. school yeah. like shotgun yeah. kind of porches. The porch is bigger than the bar. Yeah. Wow. That's mm. what's up. That's southern. It's real southern. <laughs> it's got the baby blue ceiling. This is the new thing I learned when I moved to Savannah. The porch ceiling blue is a color. And it's like baby blue. So when you look up at your porch, you think you're looking at the sky and the bugs think that and then they don't go over there. They don't bother your porch. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. When we talk oysters and you talk like pairing with oysters, pairing with fresh seafood, I would think like bubbles are are an easy pick. Um, Refreshing, light, dry white wines, even beers. But what are some kind of off the beaten path options that you might have that you might think of? to pair with oysters or some exciting pairings that you're looking forward to doing at this place? Yeah. Well, uh, so Chocolina all day Mm. in my life Mm -hmm. everywhere. And tell us what that is. So Chocolina, it's, it's definitely not an off the kind of radar pairing, but it comes from the Basque region in Northern Spain, right on the coast. So super light, lightly effervescent so it's like on the way to sparkling but it's sort of like a little baby massage of bubbles on your tongue instead of like real big and aggressive mm-hmm. lots of salinity lots of minerality um you know i love things that taste like rocks yeah it's so, kind of a more complex vino verde you'd probably say yeah a little lighter a yeah. little more acidic you don't mm-hmm. want to drink it with like real real spicy stuff because mm-hmm. it's definitely high acid high mineral high salinity mm-hmm. um, but that light effervescence man on a hot day you can crush it 
if you go to Spain, they pour it from way high up and it's very dramatic and it mm-hmm. aerates the wine and like livens everything up. So it's like bringing the seafood back to life. Yeah. And, cool. You know, yeah. If the oysters that don't eat it. So you want to like the live wine and the live oyster together. And there's a few shops in town that carry those wines. I know I've gotten them at Woodland. Yeah. Um, Woodland Wine Shop, also where you used to work, Grand Crew. You you worked, you did some time oh, there. Shout out to Grand Crew. Yeah. Man, that, I love that place. That's a great place off West End, out yeah. by 440. Yeah. So that's a good place to buy those wines as well. That's that's really cool. How How is it in your mind, in your thinking, you're going from kind of being more wine focused, you're getting back to the cocktail side. Tell us a little bit about, because you're very unique in that, you uh, love wine and you love kind of the finer things about spirits and cocktails, but you're very unpretentious about it, almost to the point that the ceremony and pretense with a lot of fine dining service or wine service kind of bothers you or you just that's not really what your thing is. Did you really miss the bar and what have you missed about making cocktails and are you like just trying to get that side fulfilled yeah, well, first, let us not confuse wine with babysitting, because when you are a uh, manager and some, you do a lot of running around and making sure everyone's doing their job. But uh, the some element of being on the floor is great because you pour wine for someone and you're like, just try taste this with this. And seeing their eyes light up is, mm-hmm. is like the most satisfying thing. Just yeah. discover, and you guys know, and this is why I love working with you, when you taste something amazing and it just like the light bulb goes on mm-hmm. being able to share that with people is the best part of doing the wine stuff but mm-hmm. that is something that almost every interaction you have behind a bar is like that mm-hmm. especially if you care about your job and yeah. and so um having people really just respond and being able to have that interaction of like i think this is delicious i love this i want to share it with you because it may not be empirically the best cocktail on the planet Mm -hmm. but if it's the best cocktail for you right now you're going to have the best experience possible and that's what i want when i go out and that's why i'm all about absolutely top-notch excellent service But it doesn't, you still want to feel comfortable. You don't want to feel like you're sitting in your grandparents' house with plastic over the furniture and you can't touch anything. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's up. Service, but like a connection. Like, uh, what is it without a connection, really, anyway? That's where the memories come from. Yeah. It's just pouring and wiping and chewing and belching. (laughs) You sound like you have kids. (laughs) (laughs) Sound like a true father. A father to Chris. Your Thanks, amazing buddy. dog, yeah. uh, and what a character he is. So shout out to Chris. He listens to the podcast, as far <laughs> as we know. So diving into vermouth, we're going to try some of this beautiful Spanish stuff here in just a little bit. Tell me about maybe a couple of your favorite vermouths, and also let's dispel some myths about vermouth, kind of help people out in terms of buying vermouth. So what are some of your favorites that are re- readily available, and what do you like about them? Yeah. Well, yeah. which of your kids is your favorite? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough one. Yeah. 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 Um, so Punta Mess. Mm. If I could drink Punta Mess till the end of my life that would be and that's you know because we all have a little bitterness in our in our palates and our hearts and Mm -hmm. i have a lot more in my palate than my heart for sure (laughs) Uh, but i love bitter things but i love sweet vermouth and that's exactly what punti mess is and uh you and kenneth i think introduced me to the the matching of like pairing whiskeys with vermouths and so 
recognizing that difference really helped mm-hmm. me figure out how different every vermouth is. And yeah. then Kevin King sent me a, a little video from like the 70s, this Poonty Mess, oh yes, song. And it was uh, just, nice. Yeah, I was sold. Not because of the song, just because of how it sounds in your ears when you taste Poonty We need to Mess. try and post that on our yeah. Instagram page at liquidgold underscore pod. Yeah. And Poonty Mess is uh, a product from Carpano. And it is. Now, a lot of these vermouths we talk about, Dolan is a French vermouth, uh, Cochi Torino is a great Italian vermouth. Punta Mess is one that you, you probably want to drink on the rocks. Yeah, so yeah. Punta uh, Mess It's going to open rocks. up. It's so intense. Martinis, Dolan Dry uh, is just like your most versatile, for me, my most versatile like like go-to. Oh, yeah. That's and what's in my fridge. Cochi Torino for your average Manhattan, not your high proof, but your like run-of-the-mill like workhorse sweet vermouth for cocktails. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Carpano Antica, the OG for anything like real high proof, obviously is delicious. But yep. my, so the the Spanish vermouths that I love, everything that we're about to taste, this, I discovered this when I was in San Sebastian and I've never seen it anywhere else. And there's a like, you know, crazy story behind the fact that we get to taste it today. But yeah. Uh, but Cruz Condi was the first Spanish vermouth that mm. I tasted where mm-hmm. I was like, this tastes like chocolate and curry. And mm. I've never tasted anything like that before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they're all very, very different and unique, all these different brands and all the Spanish vermouths that I've tasted and even the Italian vermouths. But the Spanish ones are like, I mean, that's like picking peas out of a, a bag, you know. I mean, they're all different. And yeah. So they're, and they're all really cool and neat. But, yeah, the chocolate and curry and the Cruz Cagni, I was like, whew. And now uh, when I tasted this Padre & Co. Uh, for the first time, I was like, holy cow. So, so you were in San Sebastian in northern Spain. Yeah. And you are, at that point, you're in a hotbed of vermouth in that area. Yeah. So um, tell us a little bit about, you're going to these different uh, tapas bars. Yeah. You're going, you're in a completely different place. You're in what a lot of people consider to be sort of a heaven for food. It's kind of a culinary mecca, yeah. Yeah. And they, they call them pinchos there. But it's the same concept as mm-hmm. tapas, but mm-hmm. they have all these cool things just on the bar and you just pick what you want. And it's a lot of like hams and anchovies. And then the, the money like move is to ask them about like their fritters and the hot things they do mm. to order. Mm-hmm. But all this stuff is like it, it's, it comes so super fast. And we it's would get in trouble relaxed. there, Kenneth. You'd be in so much trouble. It's so good. <laughs> but they also do amazing cocktails. And but everywhere you go, they have a list. Everywhere I went, I did a vermouth I had never tasted before. Mm. and and it's like a list it's crazy and they drink it with an olive their olives there are insane every person who says i hate olives i'm like if you tasted a good olive yeah it might change your mind mm. i'm just saying for sure but yeah. they put it olive and orange peel in the vermouth and it brings out all the herbaceousness and all the cool stuff from the vermouth the herby parts of it yeah and they're serving it on the rocks on the rocks on the rocks and kind of like a Mostly goblet a or a little wine glass no, just on the rocks okay in okay. a rocks glass the, okay their, their gin and tonic game is big too mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. there's Brit's game is huge yeah and big goblets big ice cubes like bigger than like you know they're barrel cubes that mm-hmm. they pull out one at a time with with uh, tongs and wow they count the number of cubes they put in they st- i mean everything's super specified but it comes off so casual and they're just like everyone's relaxed and can be a difficult tourist mm-hmm. as we know those exist sometimes i pretend i'm not american when i travel because i don't want to get lumped in yeah but everyone does that. Everyone yeah. wears like a Canadian flag shirt yeah. 
everywhere they go in Europe. Yeah, not they're, fooling yeah. anybody. They're catching up though. But it, but when you go there, Sheesh. they're like, oh, we don't care how difficult you are. Like everything around us is beautiful. Everything's delicious. We're gonna share it with you. So here you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it seems like a really amazing place to be drinking vermouth. Probably one of the best places in the world to be drinking vermouth. Um, but you got turned on to these particular vermouths there. Yeah, so I so tasted tell us a little bit these. about these. This is like so this this company Padre and Co. I just like walked into a shop and I was like, this looks cool, and it was like eight dollars. And I was like, sweet vermouth just for me to sip on while I'm here for the week. And I got home and I looked up the website and I emailed them. I was like, where is this in America? And they're like, well, it's not. Yeah. Um, but this is the importer and we're working on bringing it into America. And so as you guys know, you know the reps around town. And yeah. so I called one of my uh, most trusted people that I went to for all booze needs in Nashville mm. and mm-hmm. was like, hey, if someone brings this in, I want it to be you because I know you'll take care of it. And yeah. so I connected her with the importer, Aaron Barnett, by the way, that's not how you say her last name, but that's how I say it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I called Shout Darren, out Aaron. and I was like... <laughs> yeah. In the room. Darren wouldn't give you a microphone. <laughs> Maybe but, uh, we have to pay Darren yeah. for him to give people better service, but I don't know. So I connected her with the importer. She worked really hard to uh, start bringing his stuff in because his portfolio is amazing. Um, and I said, hey, I'm, I'm trying to do this podcast. It didn't work out, but she still got the vermouth here when I was here in, in town the last time. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, so don't open these. Until I come back to Nashville, which could be like a year and a half from now. <laughs> wow. Yeah, we're glad you made it back sooner. Days, yeah. yeah. So it was, uh, that's big thanks to my dad and his best childhood friends. They had a little anniversary party in town this weekend, so we came in for a real quick trip. That's great. So, we're glad you made it in. Yeah. So that's a great story because you're in a completely different place. You're drinking in a completely different way. You're drinking different styles of gin and tonics. And those, we talked to Craig from Peninsula, shout out. We had him on and talked all these different Spanish-style gin and tonics that they're doing over at Peninsula. Uh, There's Barcelona in town. There's some folks that are getting into these really immersive gin and tonic experiences. So you got into that a little bit, and then you were already into vermouth. But you got to really experience that cultural side of it and the way of drinking it every day and making it really special, serving it with really good olives and some fresh citrus. And then to turn around and help to bring that product to the United States, yeah. not just Nashville, right? to bring it into the United States. You're kind of like Magellan. She's like the <laughs> Magellan of Vermouth, an explorer, guiding the ship, you know, to uncharted territory. That's pretty neat. Horizon. That's something about horizons. Something about horizons and sound effects with water and boats. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's Think drink some it. vermouth. <laughs> Try to sweet. Okay. Um, it's a good crack. So here we are. We're popping one open now. We're going to go dry to sweet on this luscious. Ooh, look at the colors. That's liquid gold, baby. That's liquid gold. <laughs> what do they use for the base of this vermouth? Because a lot of times that will tell you some of the initial tasting notes that you're going to get into. Yeah. Um so mostly, most, I mean, most vermouths, white wine, these ones specifically, uh, two are like what they make cava from, Zarello and, and is either Macabeo or Pareada, but um, white wine's like native to mm-hmm, Spain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cheers, y'all. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers Dad, Mike. where's your cup? <laughs> mm, yeah, so, yeah, it's delicious. I've never tasted this one before, but it's wow. cool. Most of these I haven't tasted before. Yeah, it's real mm. savory, very yeah. herbaceous. Tastes like olives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and there's... There's like... 
This would be great with oysters. Super wow. olive. Super olive. It's yeah. great. That's really neat. And the bottles are so gorgeous. Yeah. We'll be sharing those labels on our mm. Instagram page. Padre so that'll be Co. exciting. Yeah. The labels look like a Victorian stencil. Like the ones that you have up in your living room? I don't know if I'd I don't know if I'd want to put a little any any sort of spirit in there. Yeah, it seems like it's very spritz ready. Spritz yeah. Ready. Maybe a little uh, vodka for Kevin King's martini bar. Say it ain't so. No, it's great. <laughs> this is uh and he I mean, you know, his he's super creative and so he has stuff up his sleeve when it oh, comes yeah. to that. But the uh, the idea of super cold bottled cocktail type of stuff. Mm-hmm. That, uh, yeah. Because it's hot there, you know? So, so hot in Charleston. Drinking dark, heavy things is tough unless it's wintertime and you're avoiding a hurricane. Right. So it's, you know, it's, that's why I love drinking Chocolina. I love drinking, you know, I have lots of very delicious red wines that I've collected from very dear friends in, uh, you know, a lot in California and, I drink that like once a year because yeah. the rest of the time I'm so hot. I just want to drink yeah. light, you refreshing things. You move further south yeah. on us. I'm a beach person, though. Yeah, so. so how long have you been living in Charleston now? Uh, so my stuff has been there a month. I've been there okay. like a week. Okay. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of fun employed in between uh, the restaurant waiting for it to open. And so moved my stuff up and then went on adventures, took a road trip and uh, paddled my, you know, I love the kayaking and the paddle boarding. So paddled around the southeastern United States and then flew out to Colorado and hung out with my parents. And oh, that's great. Checked out the mountains. Yeah. If anybody, you, ride the Zephyr. If you ever go to Colorado yeah. or even the you want to go from special. Chicago to California, ride the Zephyr. If you have time, it's the best way to travel. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. What's it go? I think it goes all the way from Chicago to San Francisco. Yeah, right outside yeah. of San Francisco. Hmm. So it's uh, but I it mean, goes right through the Rocky Mountains. Yeah, and the the cool thing about the Zephyr is the lounge car has an observation bubble, so it's all glass, so you can see the mountains and the Rockies. And I mean, I I rode it just from Denver to Glenwood. And you go down the Colorado River, and it is dramatically beautiful. You can see snow-capped mountains in the background and people uh, just rafting down and fishing down the Colorado River, and they moon the train. They call it the Moon River Mm because the people moon, like, actually moon the train. So all the little, like, people riding the Amtrak just see a bunch of, like, fishermen butts. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. So this is the first one that I ever tasted that made me fall in love with this vermouth and really It is kind of chocolatey and luscious and i could see it as almost like a dessert pairing mm-hmm. if you had like a nice chocolate dessert that's or great like these um little summer berries that we have with some herbs from mike wolf's garden there you go mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah what kind of cocktail would you make with um this bold of a vermouth what's a cocktail you might go to i mean you got your kind of manhattan you got your Maybe yeah, a black so, Manhattan. No, I mean I'm. You know I'm a big Italian grandpa drink person. Yeah, which is let's a take good the one. listeners on a deep dive. Oh no! What is <laughs> an Italian grandpa cocktail? Because I think it's important to share this bit of information. This is a good way to drink. This is an easy way to drink. This came about from uh, Andrea at Holland House telling us about. You know, these like little vermouth drinks we would make, Amaro drinks, he he would say, this is how my grandpa drinks. And so an Italian grandpa cocktail basically is you take a glass, put some ice in it. Maybe you've got some vermouth, some Amaro, both, 
you can use both. Maybe a touch of bitters, depending on how sweet the vermouth or the Amaro is that you're working with. A splash of soda, maybe a flavored soda, like a grapefruit soda. And then always a citrus peel or a piece of citrus. Maybe we need to throw in the uh, Spanish style with an olive. But yeah, why don't you give us, Jess, an example of a favorite Italian grandpa style cocktail? Yeah. So what's what's the what's the recipe? And you could use one of these as so, as your example. But yeah. What's the what's the kind of drink that you might make? All right. So I'm kind of a purist most of the time, which is actually makes it nice for people making them at home because this is probably the easiest, most complex, delicious drink you could make at home and yeah. and really feel like you're a badass bartender. Yeah. Complex without, tasting, but not but hard, not to, hard make. to make. Yeah. You know? So you uh, incorporate. To me, it's for the most part just equal parts of whatever amaro and whatever vermouth you like together. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan, especially when it's warm of doing, uh, shocker, Puntimes <laughs> and Montenegro mm-hmm. and then just a little soda. And, and this is the funny thing. I'll change it up because if you put those two together in equal measure and it's tasting a little bitter that day, cause the vermouth will taste different every day. If it tastes a little bitter that day, I go with an orange peel. If mm-hmm. it's tasting a little sweet, I go with a lemon peel. It mm-hmm. sharpens and lightens it up. Mm. Nice. You know? So, but uh, yeah. Beautiful. And then, um, you know, the commencement, born of lots of history of Mike Wolf and I. That was a yeah. drink like six years. Kind the of first chapter the of my new book yeah. is called The Commencement. That's amazing. Bitter Beginnings. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> and yeah, I didn't, I didn't so. put the cocktail in there because this was back when we thought it was going to be in the Husk book. Yeah. And then... But, but uh, the chapter, yeah. the title of the chapter, that'll be our little, uh, that's amazing. Our little yeah. inside joke. Yeah, that's um, good. But that's a, and that, you know, Chinar is an amazing cocktail ingredient and one of the most versatile Italian grandpa ingredients because it goes with a lot of cool vermouth and it sure. does that like bittersweet. And it's a lighter Amaro. And, forth, and it's a lighter Amaro. So that's a yeah. good one. You know, Chinar so. goes with a lot more than you think it does. Though. Yeah. It's pre-dinner, post-dinner, during. Yeah. So bedside for our thirsty listeners, you could take an ounce of a vermouth that was maybe a little bit more boldly flavored and then say an ounce of an, of a, of an Amaro, mm-hmm. I would say. And then you're pouring that over ice into the glass right. and adding maybe two ounces of soda, maybe three ounces, depending yeah. on how like much you want to taste with a little bit of soda water. And then do your vermouth and, and amaro mm-hmm. and then top it with soda because the ultimate beauty it. of the drink mm-hmm. is the only bartender skill you need is the jostle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So really, mm-hmm. if you start with a little soda, put the other stuff in, top it with soda, it kind of mixes things together on yep. its own so you don't have to worry about a fancy bar spoon. Right. Sure. And then you, you take the, the citrus peel and express that over the drink, get those oils, and then use that to stir it. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then just jostle mm-hmm. as you drink. And then you're jostle ready. Jostle and drink, and it's done. Jostle and drink. An Italian grandpa drink requires a garnish. But it's always a, it's a simple garnish. Yes. It's a little strip of a citrus peel, like you said. Lemon to brighten it up. Orange for maybe things that are a little bit more bitter. Um, orange to give you almost like the impression of, a, of spice. But... Yeah. Uh, while still keeping it pretty bright. And then Spanish style, throw an olive in there. Yeah. Or wolf style, if it's spring or summer, throw a flower in there. Throw some flowers, throw some herbs, and it will infuse as you booze. Mm-hmm. Mm. So the Italian grandpa style cocktail, that's good we got that on the record. Because that's a, that's a beautiful way to drink. It's a European style way to drink. And it's kind of a bartender way to drink. But it's also a great way to showcase different vermouths to taste different vermouths make cocktails that are very very similar and very simple make cocktails that are very simple to make 
a lot of people are people are so into like drinking these different uh, flavored sparkling waters, and those are great to use in these style of drinks. It just gives you one more flavor to play around with. Which is nice, and if you want to get a little more boozy with it, but you're going to the pool, like tequila, chinar, grapefruit, sparkling water, sparkling mm. soda is super simple, and always those things go so well together. It's so good. The pool tequila is unfair, as one it of our uh, mottos here at, at Liquid Gold. But that's okay. Yeah, it's just too know, easy. Yeah, it's too a, easy to okay. enjoy. <laughs> oh man. Well, th- this is exciting. Are you going to be getting this down in Charleston? I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I've heard there's a little some more really complicated cool bars down there, there who mm-hmm. like smuggle stuff in because the laws there. You got to buy the booze from an ABC store. Right. I walked. You into should a be able to get store. what you want there. You just it's need a port a, city. Um, now you see, like right across the bay, there, like, there's all kinds of stuff in there. Y'all should be able to get it. I got whatever's a, in there. I've got an idea. You know, you could go Al Capone style, where there was always like a trap door behind the bar. Some of the bars he owned, there was like a trap door where you could like open, yeah. you know, like o- open to floorboard. And then so you could you could kind of like work that into the construction of the new place. So, you know, if, any, if anybody it's ever prob- came in, it's you're like, probably already there. Yeah. <laughs> DH is listening. Yeah. DH, we know you don't want to acknowledge that it's a good idea, but it's a good idea. Trap door behind the bar. It'll make you half a million. <laughs> this conversation never happened. <laughs> The reserve, mm. that's the reserve. That's got like a lot more like dark chocolate coffee thing. Pot that's intense. Great. Vermouth and coffee. You taught me that too. Oh Vermouth yeah. And coffee is great. Yeah. If you like, uh, Especially like Antica. the Carpano Antica. Yeah. Now I think one thing we could also pass along to our listeners with Vermouth because there's, there's an easy way that Vermouth could get a bad rap and that is by buying a bottle, leaving it on your shelf in your liquor cabinet yeah. and just leaving it out. And maybe opening it every once in a while when you're going to make a martini or you're going to make that Manhattan and then leaving it there. In terms of buying vermouth, taking care of it, my my method would be buy the vermouth, take it home, put it in the fridge. Because I would probably like it chilled before I'm going to drink it. Yep. Unless I'm going to drink it on the rocks. But regardless, it should always be kept in the fridge. And the top should always be kept on. What are some other things that you could pass along to our listeners about Taking care of vermouth, how it should be drank, what's the shelf life? Why don't I mean, you walk us through some of those? That depends details. entirely on who you ask. Yeah. Really. Mm-hmm. But the way that, you know, um, and another thing I learned, I learned a lot from you. Man, I miss you. <laughs> I miss you. So <laughs> Always taste it right when you first open it because it's never going to taste the same. It's right. still going to be delicious. It's going to be delicious in a different way the next hour, day, week, month, whatever. You know, and uh, I have like a bottle of, you know, a Punta Mess. I go through probably, uh, it doesn't, it can't get bad in my yeah. fridge, you yeah. know, but I have a bottle of Dolan Dry that I keep in there because I only have martini hour, you know, once in a great while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that one, it still tastes good, you know. Yeah. A lot of people will tell you a month mm-hmm. and it depends on the vermouth. Mm-hmm. If you have stuff that's not as elegant or complex and, you know, you paid like $6 for it, it's probably going to get sour a little faster than some of the other ones but mm-hmm. that also might take on a cool thing and then you have like sort of madeira vermouth kind of stuff and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you sell it to your neighbor and tell them it went across the ocean and yeah. it'll be like sweet <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's hard so, yeah, to, it's hard to talk shelf life when it's something it's, that you love like i mean yeah you say well, a month i would never know because well, usually nobody, if i have a bottle of vermouth it's gone in a week 
Yeah, talks but there are a lot of people, especially when I used to work at Grand Cru, you know, they don't go through a bottle of vermouth in six months to a year. Right, right. And I've definitely had a bottle in my fridge before for six months to a year and still drank it. Yeah. The thing is, is it's still like, unless it tastes sour or it's unpleasant to you, that's the number one thing when it comes to pairing. When it comes to wine, people are like, I don't know anything about wine. All you really need to know is what you like. Yeah. So if you taste it and it doesn't taste good, don't drink it. Mm-hmm. Open mm-hmm. up a fresh bottle. Yeah. But if, you know, the thing is, is it's just those, like, to me, the cool, uh, floral, herbal, fun, earthy characteristics, sweet fruit characteristics, they're just going to die off over time. Mm-hmm. So it's not how long will it stay good. It's more like how long will it stay exciting? Yeah. How long will it be transcendent? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. and that's, you know, so it's going to taste good. I, I sometimes, you know, I go visit them in Colorado and they have vermouth in their little liquor cabinet and I taste it just to see what it tastes like because I yeah. love tasting vermouth. You're like, I bought this last time I was here, <laughs> didn't I? <laughs> Which is cool because when I go back and I drink the ferment fernet that I left at the house that they didn't drink, it tastes totally different. Mm. Man, I wish that I had the willpower to age, let fernet age in my house. Yeah. For like a year or two or three, but it's like I can't even. I mean, a, or a week. I yeah. Wish I could age it for a week. Mine or ages. More. <laughs> mine ages in the freezer, which means it just stays in a sense in a in a in a uh, a place of suspended animation. I guess it doesn't really change. Stuck in yeah. time. Uh, yeah. 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 What do you think? are some of the challenges okay this is coming from an area where people are drinking vermouth it's part of their day it's part of living in that culture it's part of being alive in that you know on that block on that avenue drinking and eating that's a big part of what they do so you're bringing that over to america and we we wanted to give you a mic but but still you could i don't know if that one's on or not but you're yeah you could you definitely chime in here what are some of the challenges to, to t- bringing that to America, especially, you know, coming into Nashville? Nashville's a cocktail town. And so how do you sell that to a cocktail heavy culture, to a culture that doesn't necessarily walk around at five o'clock in the afternoon and get to eat these beautiful sardines and these great little bites of food and, um, and drinking vermouth on the rocks with beautiful olives. So how do you combat some of those challenges bringing that into Nashville? Yeah. In your mind. Well, and, and Nashville is easier than a lot of other places because the cities and the, the community and from a culinary and a cocktail standpoint has really begun to embrace it much more than a lot of other places, but it's easier with cocktail people because they're willing to take a little bit of a chance, but with, uh, with you know cocktail people rather than like vodka soda people or something like that it's a little bit of an easier thing but it's it goes back to that connection you're you're building this experience for people and once they start to trust you from the time they sit down and they realize that you're you know enhancing their experience you know minute by minute and interaction by interaction once they trust you you can really be like well just taste this or if you if you really like that taste this or you know being able really to translate it to something they understand mm-hmm. and you're like well if you like something like this then you know this is really neat or and it's and if you were to just to like walk up to somebody and abruptly say like here try this like they don't get it and they yeah. you know and they're not going to respond but uh, as soon as you kind of hook them in with that like oh you're here for an experience it was it, you know um, it was pretty easy at husk because a lot of people who came there really wanted that experience or they knew it was going to be a little bit different 
They knew it was going to be a little bit unique, the food, the, the atmosphere and everything like that. And so a lot of times, you know, it was pretty easy to say to somebody like you, this might be off, you know, off your regular path, but mm-hmm. you already kind of understand that I'm, I'm on your team on this and, yeah. and trying to like give you a little bit of guidance and, and they're really more willing to kind of trust you with that. Yeah. That you know? building trust is like the hardest thing Yeah, for um, a, a restaurant or a bar or especially starting out. So that'll be interesting for you guys opening this place. Oyster bar, seafood heavy place, kind of cocktail and beverage focused place. How do you do that? How do you how do you do that to start? How do you build that trust? You're about to be in it. I think it's what are what's some like insight you think you could to the bartenders who listen to the show. To the we've bartenders got, who listen we've got to a handful show, of them. Your uh, <laughs> personal sort of enthusiasm and passion goes a long way. Yeah. If they see you're excited to share something with them, they're more uh, open to trying it out. Or you can just say, like, they'll order what they want. And they're like, give me a vodka soda and, and a dozen oysters. And they don't care where they come from. And they don't yeah. care what you have there. And then in that case, if you kind of see that they are enjoying it or they see, you see that they're they're kind of like, oh, then I'll usually just be like, oh, and also if you want to give this a taste, this is what I really like with that. Mm-hmm. You know, not pushing it on them, just giving them an opportunity to say alongside of that, Here's a little taste of this vermouth. You know, it's a white vermouth. It's a hot day. It tastes like herbs. You know, we got this mignonette that's, you know, steep with red bay. And, you know, mm-hmm. which if anybody who knows me and knows that I just moved to Charleston and has experience, I'm trying to find red bay. I haven't oh, found yeah. a forager friend yet. Oh, really? So I'm trying to track down some red um, bay and mail it to my mom with some Carolina gold rice. So If I remember right, <laughs> hearing from like Dano and Nate and Baxter, who would, who would be... Looking for that. It was like Folly Beach, I think. They found a lot. And then there's these sea beans. You got to find yeah. those like sea beans. Oh, yeah. Those are really interesting. Yeah. So, there's yeah. a cool herb called pennywort that's like parsley. It looks like nasturtium, but it tastes like parsley that was swimming in the ocean. So that's really hmm. cool. Nice. But that'll be exciting for you. Yeah. Getting into so a new place. and Yeah. I think letting, letting somebody choose their sort of path and choose their food and their beverage and then just kind of like sliding in little recommendations or little hints or little sort of like pat me on the back to be like hey if you like that if you're enjoying that you know this is the next step Mm -hmm. that's right Mm -hmm. look them in the eye too. if you don't want to go up the next step we'll get you the elevator and you can drink vodka tonics all day long yeah so yeah 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 that's awesome that's exciting when are you guys looking to open you know it's a new restaurant yeah we're looking to open the. Third Mike's week just of happy July. to ask someone yeah. someone that. We're, we're looking. We're looking to open the third week of July. So. <laughs> so happy. Good luck. Which is, which is why I'm here now and right. not at work. <laughs> In a related story, it's the third week of July. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. All right, now no, the time cool. has come for. <laughs> News. 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 Hell yeah, you practice that. <laughs> no, it's just sometimes you're back away too. <laughs> sometimes so you're good, vibing dude. with the mic and you just keep going. I'm just going to be over here drinking vermouth. What's well, booze worthy in the world of news? Mr. Well, Gone Burgundy, aka <laughs> Kenneth Deadman. Well, Mike, folks in the UK are rethinking the straw ban. That's oh, right, buddy. Good one. Good one. Good start. Oh man. I didn't even want to do this, but uh but I saw I was like looking at the news the other day and Trump different one? the Trump campaign selling uh 
like fifteen or ten straw, ten Trump Trump straws for fifteen dollars, dollar fifty a straw. <laughs> oh my god! Anyway, this lady Elena Gardner, she fell on her straw, her metal straw, and went straight through her eye and into her brain, killed her. Oh my! So Lord. buyer beware, buyer beware. Metal straws will kill you. R-rated horror. Why didn't you save? You could have saved this story for October. My mom sent me the. <laughs> my mom sent me the story, dude. It was funny because like I remember when we were on road trips, we'd uh, you know that game that you play on when you're like kids in the car, and, like how um, long till we get there? Some, yeah. Well, it was like I spy. I spy. Yeah. Oh. Well, me and my sisters, we'd play like I saw through my little straw. And we'd hold the straw up and and look through it. (laughs) Little did we know we were like endangering, well, not endangering our lives because we had plastic straws. So we were possibly endangering our irises. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. I started to like uh, get kind of depressed thinking about that because like now they're going to try and ban metal straws and straws altogether. And truth is i i have i have a couple friends that are disabled that really really need straws and they need they need straws to live and Mm -hmm. and here we are out here gabbling back and forth about like what what we what we want our straws to be made of Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. do you you, you're a big straw proponent mike like uh do you have any any insight into the matter like where do you think the straw game is going here in the future i think the hay straws are gonna make a pretty good uh, dent in other plastic-based straws or uh, even the corn-based biodegradable straws. Uh, the hay straws are really so good. So you're talking about the environment. I didn't they even say work. anything about the environment. Right. Well, I'm just talking as a buyer of straws. I've bought a lot of straws since we opened <laughs> Chopper. Every time uh, I turn around, someone's like, are we getting more straws in? I was like, well, we just got a thousand. What are you talking about? I was like, oh, they're gone. Um, okay. Well, we're getting more in. Yes. And the hardest thing is paper straws. No one likes them. Customers don't like them. They look really good, the so they're worst. they're Instagram ready. I, um, I don't mind them, but I always I always feel them. like they're about to turn into bubble gum, and they don't turn into bubble gum. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, there's this one moment that I think, oh, I can chew on this, and it's a bad chew. Yeah, the hay straws are great. When I got a bunch of the hay straws, they were a little bit thin, and everybody started using two per drink. And I was like, wait, wait, what are you, what are you doing? What are you doing? What's going on? Two, two straws are in every drink? What, what's happening? And they were just too, too small and too thin. But they now that Hay Straws Company, I think it's Hay Straws Incorporated, hey. they have started to hey. make thicker straws with a bigger opening. And they're not quite available for wholesale yet, but they will be in August. So that's probably where I'm looking. But anyway, you slice it, it's around three cents per straw. And mm. it's... Uh, Except for those Trump straws. They're dollar fifty a piece. Oh really? I don't know about this. <laughs> At least it goes to a link. good cause. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Make your iced crushed again. That's really where the proliferation of straws came from. Was the proliferation of crushed ice back in the cocktail world and having that be a very widespread thing where people want to use more crushed ice now. That means you really need to drink it out of a straw. I think I have a solution to the straw. Excellent. Straw thing tubing. Everybody gets their own fashionable tubing. So, like, you can wear it around your neck, and it's like, it's just, it works as a straw, it's a necklace, it's tubing. It's my tubing. Mm, that's Patent pretty good. Pending. Yeah. That's pretty good. Patent like, pending. Go, yeah, I'll have, a, I'll have an unsweet iced tea. <laughs> Does it just go right into your system? Oh, it goes into your mouth. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, good. You still get to taste it. Oh. 
Wrong tubing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I think you're on the right track. Yeah. Yeah. Like Wait, uh, did you just reusable make... tubing. Yeah. You just made news while doing a segment of booze news. Wow. wow. Ironic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Minds are blown throughout the studio. Sheesh. Well done. Yeah. What else you got today? <laughs> well, on the on the subject of uh, of of the environment, since you started it, Mike, uh, the Arkby Distillery in Scotland is playing around with ma- using peas, using peas to make their um their neutral grain spirit. Oh, wow. why I like pe- that why idea. peas? You ask. Well, yeah. Well, why are they not going into mushy peas? Because you got we, you know, like you're typically using grains which have to be fertilized with nitrogen, which uh, leads to excess nitrogen in the environment. Peas don't need that. They they pull nitrogen out of the atmosphere. Yeah, the they boom. give it back to the soil too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So not only are they wow. are Very, they yeah. yeah cleaning our cleaning the environment, but also creating roughly. It's kind of tricky because it, it takes like twice the space of the peas than it does wheat. But at the same time, in in the agriculture industry, as far as like livestock is concerned, where like it's become pretty common for distilleries to to sell their left their their leftover distilled mash to, to local farmers. The pea produces twice as much protein as as wheat. Therefore it's more bang for the buck as far as as far as that relationship with the distillery and local farmers. I find that hard to believe, to be honest with you, that it's more bang for your buck to, to grow uh, and process peas than it is wheat. That's crazy. Nah. But uh, I look forward to a follow up on this oh, news item. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy, man. I wonder if you get any pea flavor in there. Or are they like distilling most of that out? I don't know. I'm that's sure. I'm sure that there's like some Man, sort of cool. residual pee in there. It's a big day. Trying for to peas. make me laugh. I'm not gonna laugh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> what else you got? All right. On a serious, on a serious tip. This week. <laughs> and when he says that, he means depressing. Sheesh. <laughs> uh, Hollisworth finally broke her silence. The uh, the air. The 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 self self-proclaimed heir to the bullet bourbon throne went public mm. telling Neatpour about um, excessive excessive amounts of abuse that she endured under the Diageo um, umbrella mm. and also under while working directly for her father Tom Bullet yeah I'm not really gonna get into the specifics uh, because you can you can go on the website and read her account of of what she went through over the last five six seven years under the bullet brand. I would like to speak on branding. You know, oh. these were like uh, this. These were uh, these, this was a family that owned a, a distillery or owned a brand that sold. They sold it to like Buffalo Trace, which then sold to to, to Diageo. Sold sold the brand to Diageo, and then then from from there they they created this uh, this 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 uh, the story of the Bullet family and being generations long bourbon makers. But then they even employed members of the family. To, to run the brand. Therefore, uh, this, we're talking about a big, big, big beverage industry, like, takes a gamble on, like, an actual, like, family and whatever problems might might come out of it. Big whoops. Wow. Big whoops. Like, yeah. uh, they didn't know. They didn't know that this that there was a turbulence between a Southern Gothic da- drama. father and daughter. Right. But, hmm. but they, they gambled on the fact that there wouldn't be. Hmm. 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 Any quotes that you want to throw out there from this article? Um, if you want to source, um, uh, yeah, I just think our listeners are going to want to know more. Well, I want to know more. This is why we don't do pre-show meetings because I like hearing this stuff for the first time. 
I don't. I don't want to piss off anyone at Diageo. Yeah, I do. It's on <laughs> I don't the website, care. Right? That's why we have the <laughs> Now Hollis. Hollis is still employed by the Diageo brand. We're under contract. Mm. She just don't give a fuck, dude. She came out this week. Yeah. Ruined them. Ruined wow. them. Just taking them down. Wow. A very personal news item on Booze News yeah. today. I've been talking about this for a while. We thought yeah, it like, was slow time, summer, summertime, but nope, not in Booze News world. Not if you're gone burgundy. What else you got? Oh, that's you wanna... it. <laughs> you're not going to end on a on a high note? Is there like, um, I, you know, like a I cat? Guess I, that... I should have saved the straws for last. <laughs> uh, that's great. Well, thank you so much for that crazy version. Keeping it real. Controversial. Yeah. Keeping it real version. Gone burgundy. Yeah. Right here on Booze News on Liquid Gold. Thank you so much. Now. Thanks, Mike. We are getting close on time here, so I think that we should share with our listeners one of the best uses of vermouth, especially dry vermouths like this. Now, not just a, I'm not saying the style of dry vermouth. Most of these vermouths from Padron Company, a brand new vermouth as far as we're concerned here in the United States. It's a beautiful Spanish brand of vermouth, and they have all these different styles. We've tasted five different ones today. Super intense. A lot of them are very dry. One of the best uses for this would be a spritz. Yeah. So Jess, yeah. walk us through. How are we going to make our spritz at home? Let's tell our thirsty listeners. Now, there's Aperol. That's the easy one. Yep. We probably don't need to go over that one. Campari is a popular one. But yep. these vermouths share a lot with those two spirits, being yep. that there's some dry snap to it. Yep. There's some herbaceousness. I would argue that these vermouths are more boldly flavored, more interesting, and more complex than Aperol or Campari. Yeah. And so take a vermouth like this or Punta Mes, Carpano, maybe Cochi Torino, even our favorite, Cochi Americano, mm. which we probably just should have focused on like 20 Much minutes of this Cochi episode. America. That's a whole other episode. That's a whole other episode. Cochi um, Company, if you need someone, hire me, please. Yeah. we need. Uh, <laughs> Jess needs to travel the world about talking about Cochi Americano. We need a sponsor. So, But with these vermouths right here, Padron Co., a spritz would be a great yeah. thing to yeah. make. So for our listeners yeah. that okay. maybe can get this or don't have this yet, but yeah. they have other things like it, yeah. Aperol, Campari, yeah. different vermouths. Bonal. How are they going to make? Bonal is a great one. Yeah. Sailors, Sue's. Yeah. But yeah, how yeah. are we going to make okay. our spritz at home? So, Walk us through. Uh, especially for these, the Padre Co. ones, the ones that say Amargo on them have some of that bitterness. So mm. that's like the Punti Mess, a point sweet and a half point bitter, right? <laughs> So a little bitterness, so that's like so many ingredients on its own. So this is how it is, and this is like watching the dudes in Spain and thinking about how they build it intentionally. And what I would do is uh, start with ice. The bigger, the better. Like, I know that sounds dumb, but bigger ice cubes melt slower. So a little bit of ice in a glass, preferably one. The reason they like wine glasses is because you get that aroma. The big opening on the top and the roundness on the bottom keeps everything kind of flowing in harmony. Big ice cubes. A little bit of sparkling wine. Something, uh, it doesn't have to be crazy dry, and it, it shouldn't be crazy sweet. But if you like sweet sweet bubbles, drink sweet, whatever bubbles you like, mm-hmm. put that in first. Okay. And then put like maybe ounce, ounce and a half, two ounces, depending on how much work you have to do that day, mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. that glass. Mm-hmm. Um, and then soda water, clean. I know you guys love Topo Chico. I love Topo Chico. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'm a big uh, soda stream fan. Yeah. And also, just like if you're, because you know I love the river too, and you can't have glass Perrier cans. 
mm. Perrier all day. There you go. On the river. Or yeah, some so of these different uh, sparkling waters yeah, that you, you like get at the... Yeah, you like sparkling stuff. Yeah, you can use those. Yeah, nothing like, too even sweet, ch- though. Right. Like, it's got to be... It's, some of them have, like, that fake sort of flavor Essence, to Essence, right. Keep it clean, because yeah. you don't want to... Like, the whole point of the spritz is the cool flavor and texture of that spirit, that aperitif, that light sort of, like, bittersweet thing that you're putting in there. So... Mm-hmm little bit, you know, good ice, bubbles, uh, whatever you want to use that's bittersweet and whatever, vermouthine, delicious, these amargos, and then a little bit of soda water. And I like lemon and orange peel, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. if you can like, you know, peeling citrus is harder than people think. That's one of the hardest things to train people like first day and, and the peeler is huge. So we can have yeah. a whole other episode on peelers yeah, too. The, the but, Y peeler, the Y yeah, peeler episode. Y yeah. Peeler. But, yeah. Uh, You're going to cut yeah, your finger, but it's lemon okay. Lemon and orange peels uh, <laughs> in there. You know, and then just taste and taste and, and add whatever you need until it tastes delicious to you. Mm-hmm. Add another splash of bubbles, another splash of soda, another splash of vermouth until it's exactly what you want it to be. Yeah. This is the kind of cocktail that you don't necessarily have to have a hard and fast recipe. You're going two, one, half, this or that, dash of this. Don't mess this up. Yeah. It's basically <laughs> This like- is like... Throw a little bit of this. Throw yeah. a little bit of that. See how you like it. Start Maybe with, you want a little more wine. Maybe yeah, you want a little more. Start with equal parts. Yeah. Bubbles, bitter or sweet or whatever, aperitif and soda water, mm. and then just build on that and tweak it as you like. Mm-hmm. It's all mm-hmm. about your palate. You can really make affordable. You can make use of affordable sparkling wines. Totally. So you know, eight, nine, ten dollar bottles of sparkling. Yeah. You can really sort of fit to your liking because you're working with sweet and bitter ingredients at the same time, and you don't necessarily want to be using a fourteen to twenty five dollar bottle yeah. of sparkling wine yeah. in this drink. That that stuff can kind of stand on its own yeah. and be great to pair with a million different things from fried chicken to oysters to fish to whatever. Yeah. Um, but this is a cocktail and a way of drinking where you can use really affordable things yeah. like a, cit- a peel of lemon is not expensive yeah uh, a little can of soda a little bit of vermouth yeah. these are all affordable things yeah. this is like and then the very free bartender tool the jostle yeah the jostle yeah the home bartender jostle <laughs> what's a jostle sound like if we had ice it sounds a little like this Oh man, so the sound you, effect episode. Since you brought up fried chicken, we got to do one more parapalooza, but I'm going to bring it to you guys. Yeah, okay. Because it's my new, one of my new favorite. I mean, it's always been one of my favorite things to eat, but I found a place in Charleston, which mm-hmm. you're going to absolutely love, called Marina Variety. Best corned beef hash on the planet, but what I love, chicken and waffles. They do oh, amazing yeah. chicken and waffles. So, what would you guys pair with chicken and waffles? <sighs> Spicy. I think a sparkling rose would be would be amazing. I'm trying to think of the waffle side of it because that's tough. Like, am I adding like some syrup to the waffle? Am I just like adding butter to it? So it depends on how you like them. The way I yeah. like it, I, li- I like the chicken spicy. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like, I love the hot chicken, but I love to add that with butter and good syrup. Like it has to be maple mm-hmm. syrup, not like, yep. you know, corn syrup. But yep. it's, a, but it's it, however you like them to be. But that combination of salty, sweet, uh, protein, carb, all of those delicious things, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I like mead. Mm. 
but well, only good mead, sure, which is sure. you know a shameless plug yeah. for my buddy Ross, who uh, makes the mead at Honey Tree. But Honey Tree like, Meadery, meadery God, here so in good. Nashville. They're, a Honey, honey so Bang good. would be like so perfect like, for spicy like, chicken. Yeah. yeah, a little bit. You got to be careful with it, but it's like if you're hungover in the morning and you're getting chicken and waffles, and the the move is a, a over easy or over medium egg on top. Uh huh. Little bit of mead. It's like wine, so mm-hmm. it'll cut the edge mm-hmm. from the hangover. Mm-hmm. But little sweet, little like dry, light effervescent, kind of like wine. Some some meads have a little bit of carbonation, which is cool. Mm-hmm. But that mm-hmm. little sweet, it's like you know the Foggy Ridge ciders. I used to love with oh yeah spicy chicken and waffles and stuff like that. Oh yeah, that would make a lot that of sense. A bit of cider, sweet. yeah, something light effervescent. I would even say like an iced tea, sweet tea, that kind of where yeah. you get a little bit of that herbaceous vibe. Yeah. The tea, I think mixing with the waffle chicken combo, you can kind of, it syrup. would work with yeah. both. Um, yeah. So maybe like a, a true Southern style, like half sweet, half unsweet tea would yeah. probably be really good. Or if you sweeten or, your tea with a little bit of maple syrup instead of sugar. Mm-hmm. Then there you go. Just, yeah. Next level. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. Well, we got through Parapalooza, booze news, vermouth, <laughs> spritz. We did a lot. Sheesh. Jess has to go to the airport. We have yeah. a hard out. Her agent <laughs> is waving their hands at us. We're sorry. We're sorry. We're in big trouble with your agent, but that's okay. Yeah. Well, we're excited. Tell us the name of the, the restaurant one more time that you're about to open. The Delaney Oyster House. Delaney Oyster House in Charleston. Yeah. Everybody in Nashville that goes down to Charleston to hang out and eat, we're all yeah. excited to go down and check that out. Shout out to Kevin King, who's uh, apparently into vodka now. So yeah. what's the opposite of a shout out? <laughs> shout down. <laughs> Kevin. Uh, well, we, Orson we, Wells. Yeah. <laughs> Orson Wells on the face <laughs> I'm gonna make the uh, what is it? I'm gonna make the first vodka martini for Kevin's menu called Rosebud. Oh, <laughs> that's what's excellent, up. excellent. Yeah, perfect. We got Connor Aaron. too. We stole Connor. We stole everybody. Who Connor's to going work up there. Oh wow. Nashville. What? Yeah, we stole to Savannah and then we stole to Charleston. So oh, that's now great. The, the gang's back. You know, the, the band's back. The band's together. back. Those together. guys are up at the. I guess we're coming down. Beard, yeah. the, they're at the James Beard house right now. They were, yeah. They're, that this, was a couple days ago. But that's yeah, great. It was so good, big time. Yeah. Those guys are so talented. They're doing such a good job. Well, I guess yeah. we're coming down there uh, in the fall to yeah. experience all of the beautiful things. And we do want to throw a shout out. Aaron, thank you so much for bringing these vermouths. Thank you, Aaron. <laughs> thank you so much, Aaron. Padro and Co. Vermouth. From Spain, from deep in vermouth drinking country, deep in food haven country, comes these vermouths that are so versatile. They're going to be great. I think you're going to be hitting bartenders early fall where they're kind of thinking about those things. I think that'll be great. These will be great savory things to add to cocktail menus. So that'll be cool. So look for that. Do we know where these, where and when these might be available yet? So keep, stay tuned. We'll be posting on our Instagram about that and maybe a cocktail to use with it. Feel free to make any manner of Italian grandpa drink as well. Jesse, thank you so much for coming. Oh, man. We miss you. We love you. Thank you, Jess. I love you guys so much. Yeah, love you. My name is Mike Wolf. It's been a beautiful day here on Liquid Gold for my co-host, Mr. Kenneth Dedman, gone burgundy himself. (laughs) Shout out to We Own This Town, weownthistown.net, and our producer, Michael Eads, and we will see you next time. Thank you so much. Later, Tater.